Hey, today's Dr. Chas. We're going to discuss before Shalim of Yitzchak Aaron ben Miriam. We are at the Gemara right after the Mishnah. So we learned in the Mishnah that dispute between Misham and Yisrael. Misham and Yisrael said, Misham said that your kilim can't work for you on Shabbos. We said you can't put uh, the dyes to soak in the water unless we'll completely finish soaking before Shabbos begins because or else it's going to be working. It's going to be doing leisure for you on Shabbos. Your kilim are going to be needing for you on Shabbos. So the Gemara is an interesting point. Is your kilim really needing? I mean, there's two steps to kneading. There's mixing the two ingredients. Kneading is learned like flour, flour and water to make dough. So first you mix the flour and the water and then you use your hands to actually work it together into one, one clump to, to knead it. So which one is the step of the malacha? Is the mixing the malacha or is the kneading the malacha? So in our mission, we're saying that it can't soak until it finishes soaking. On our mission, your vessels aren't going to mix it together with their hands, like, you know, kneading. It's just kind of going to mix naturally. So is that really a malacha? So Montana, who is the opinion? You see, it's They even just pouring the water with ink is considered soaking. It's considered mixing it, even without actually technically kneading it. Who says that that's awesome? If someone would mix flour and water on Shabbos, would that be malacha, or is it only malacha if they'd actually need it? It sounds like from our Mishnah that it's us or even just mixing them. I'm Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi, we're going to Rabbi, the time it says in the Bible, let's say you have two people. One person put the flour um, one person puts flour and another person puts in water. Rabbi says the person who put in the the second thing, put in the water is chayv because he's done lisha. He's combined the two. No, he's not liable until he actually manually needs it because according to him, the malach, the ma'is malacha isn't the mixing, it's the kneading itself. So in our mission, it sounds like we'll only be going like Rebbe. No, maybe Rebbe agrees that fundamentally just mixing two ingredients could be chayv. He's only said it by flour because flour since you couldn't knead it, just mixing it together doesn't mix it so well. It could still further be kneaded. So then mixing it together is the malacha. And until in kneading is the malacha. Until it's actually kneaded, it's not viewed as one as one um, lump. Ink, which is not kneadable. In other words, it doesn't really need kneading. It just mixed together. It just automatically mixes. Then even just mixing the two ingredients together would suffice. So maybe the whole point of Rabbi Yisrael that you actually manually have to knead it is only true by um, something which doesn't mix well, like flour. It doesn't mix well, which is mixed with water. It doesn't become like clumpy, like a um, like dough when you manually do it, but by something in our mission, like 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 uh, ink, maybe even you'd be chayv as soon as you mix the two ingredients. So the Gemara says, don't think such a thing. Really, according to Rebbe Yisrael, you always need to mix it. It's just that the malacha. The malacha is the mix, the, the kneading itself. Where do we see that, Titania? Echonos is afer. Let's say you have afer. So afer usually means ashes. So one guy put the afer, echonos is mine. One guy mixes the water, echonos is mine. The second guy is chai. Because again, Rebbe holds it's always just the mixing the two ingredients. But Rebbe Yisrael, you have to knead it manually. So clearly, Ashes are, are something that mix naturally, and still reviews reviews are saying you have to. You're only chayv if you manually mix it. With so you see that no matter what the what the the what the material is, reviews review the holds. That's just what the malacha is. You're only chayv if you do it with your hands. Says the Gemara, my What who says afer means ashes? Maybe afer means dirt. Earth and earth usually is something which is needable. In other words, it doesn't just mix as easily. You have to actually use your hands and mix it in. So the Gemara says, "Come on, don't say that." Vatani Afer, Vatani Afer. There's two. And in one place it says Afer, in another place it says Afer. So clearly, Afer doesn't mean Afer. Why would you use a different word? So it must be that uh, we're supposed to understand that Afer is ashes, which are not needable, meaning they mix so easily. And yet, Rabbi Zerubida is still saying, even by Afer, you're only chayv if you actually do the gibel. So we see. Even by something that doesn't require further manual 
Gibel, we say you're only chayev with manual Gibel, so that's a proof that no matter what the thing is, Rabbi Yisrael just holds, that's the Maizah Malacha. The Maizah Malacha is mixing it manually. So it says the Gemara, no, it's not a proof. Are they taught in the same place? Meaning there were two separate prizes. One said Afar and one said Afar. So we were thinking it has to be two separate materials. But the truth is that the two prizes didn't know about each other, so to speak. They were two taught separately. Then maybe the prize that said Afar actually meant dirt and just being used as a loose synonym for dirt. But actually, if you'd be using ash, everybody would agree that uh, you'd be chayv even, even without mixing it manually. So the Gemara is coming out that according to Rabbi Yudah, no matter what the material is, you're only chayav for lush if you mix it manually. But just putting them together doesn't make you chayv. That's what the outcome of the, of the maskan of the Gemara is. So it comes out. There's a very fundamental machlok between Rabbi and Rabbi Yudah. According to Rabbi, just mixing two ingredients together is lisha. According to Rabbi Yudah, you have to manually mix them. Knead them with your hands. So that's a fundamental machlok no matter what the material is between Rabbi and Rabbi Yudah. And our mission would seem to consider lisha just the mixing of the materials themselves just by them soaking together seems to only be like the opinion of Rebbe. Continues the Gemara. Person can open a water like it's almost like a turn on a sprinkler system before Shabbos, right before it gets it's her Shabbos starts. And it continues the water continues to fill the whole Shabbos. So you're starting a sprinkler before Shabbos, and it continues to go to the whole Shabbos, even though your malach is being done by the by the sprinkler. So, so as, since, since, since it's not you, it seems that it's okay. Similarly, you can burn incense under clothing on Shabbos, even though burning, obviously, Malacha is being done naturally, right? It's burning, it's Havar, it's burning, but you're allowed to do that because you're not doing anything. Even though they continue to, uh, the perfume is burning the whole day, that's okay. Another example, you put, so sulfur, you could put under uh, kalim before it gets dark on, on Friday afternoon, and it continues to burn and get the sulfur the whole, the whole Shabbat. So another example, you could put the keeler. So the keeler is some sort of medicine a person puts in their eyes, or some sort of uh, heal for a wound. Right before and then it can continue to heal the whole Shabbos day. So that's an interesting thing, because why can't you do medicine on Shabbos? Because it's a Xerah Rabbanon that you might come to grind. So it's only Rabbanon to begin with to do medicine. But we're saying it's like a novelty that if you would hold that your, your, your vessels can't do a malacha for you on Shabbos, then maybe you wouldn't be allowed even to have it. Put, put, put some dressing on a wound before Shabbos and then let it naturally heal the whole Shabbos. I mean, that's a big chiddush. Even on a Durabonan, you would have said that. If Shvisa Skelem is Asr, you would have said it even on a Durabonan. Sounds like it from the Gemara. But at any rate, we seem to be saying here that it's not Asr because it's, it's as long as you're not doing a Malacha, only your things are naturally doing a Malacha, that is um, okay. But then the Brisa says, but one thing that you can't do. You're not allowed to put wheat into a water mill unless it's finished. The grinding is finished while it's still the day. So why? What's going on? My time is as more. Why is this case different? Here also, you're not going to be doing malacha. It's just naturally is getting ground. The wheat is getting ground. One in Shabbos, but you're not doing anything. So why is it a problem? I'm a rabbi of Nishmash The problem is it's making noise. Rabbi's opinion is that you can't have in, in, your, in your domain noise that's taking place on Shabbos. A very interesting thing. Like, for example, a person, you know, can't do laundry on Shabbos, but... Can you have like a, a, a dryer going loudly in your apartment that was set by itself on a timer that was, or, or forget about a timer, you turned it on before Shabbos. So perhaps it's also because of this Gemara, Bashmat's call. It's considered a disgrace to the Shabbos. Other Rishonim say people will even think you're doing malacha if there's these loud noises coming out of a person's domain, which are malacha's type of noises. A person, let's say, would have like a cleaning lady, another example, have a uh, vacuum cleaner run on Shabbos. Perhaps that's a problem. They can do malacha. 
but it shouldn't be something that's very loud. It's considered after the Shabbos here at this grace because of the loud noise that is made. Amalei Rav Yosef, Why don't we give a different reason? The reason why you can't have the mill run by itself on Shabbos because your kalim have to rest on Shabbos. Where do we see your kalim have to rest on Shabbos? Everything I told you, you should guard. So this is an extra pasuk here in Barshas Kisisa. So the Rabbi says kalim. So we say it comes to include that even your vessels can't work on Shabbos. So maybe that's what it is. And Elam Rav The reason that the water mill can't grind on Shabbos is because of Shvisa's kalim. Now obviously, what's the problem with that? If we're saying that there's Shvisa's kalim and everybody agrees to that, well then that's why the mill can't run. Well then how come all the first examples in the Baraita were mutter? So the Gemara asks, if even Basil is agreeing to this issue, and you can't have your kalim to melach on Shabbos, so what were all the first cases? The first case is the sulfur, the spices. Why are that not a problem of, of, of Shvisa's kalim? Says the Gemara Mishnah and Maisa. There, it's not really doing a Maisa melacha. It's just naturally happening. It's naturally burning, but it's not an action. Whereas here, by the water mill, it's turning and grinding. So we're distinguishing a very interesting thing. Here, the water mill continues and it moves, and then there's an action of grinding, just as being done by your kalim. That's us. Because it's an action that your kalim are doing. Where it's just natural that it's a, there's a malacha that's taking place in your kalim, it's naturally burning, that's not forbidden. It says the Gemara, Unin in my time is sharp. But in the Mishnah, Basil permitted. Remember, the, in the oven, the bundles of flax were whitening. They were drying out and whitening. And we say that's okay. Isn't the malacha, in a certain sense, happening? Isn't the oven doing something? Now, it's an interesting question. Why does the Gemara consider that the oven is doing something? It doesn't really seem to do that way. It's active in any way. Is the oven active? I guess so. Taisa says in a certain way, it like holds the heat in a certain place. So it's, it's, it's actively drying it out. And that's an interesting uh, have a meaning that the Gemara says. But the Gemara quickly responds, no, the oven's not doing anything. It's totally passive. Whereas here, by the mill, the mill itself is moving. That's the point. So we're saying Basil concedes to Shvisa's Kalim when the Kalim are moving. Says the Gemara, but in the case of the trap, the trap is moving, right? The Gemara is talking about a trap, like it's like a trigger that the animal comes in and then the trap moves and clamps down upon it. So there, your kalim are doing something, and Basil was moderate. My time is sharp, Basil was still moderate. Says the Gemara, it's dealing with like types of, of traps where something gets stuck on it. it, does get stuck, but there's no movement of the trap itself. So again, Basil, where the Gemara is adamant that Basil is only moderate, she says kalim, when the kalim are passive. But if the kalim are active, there's something that they're doing, then in fact, Basila would agree that Shavisa's Kalim is Osir. That's what the Gemara is trying to suggest at this point. Says the Gemara, but that clearly can't be. Rav Oshia said that the whole din of Shvisa's Kalim is something that only Beishamah agrees to. Basila doesn't agree to the whole principle at all. Basila holds there's no problem with Shavisa's Kalim no matter what. The Beishamah compromise will compromise also. Beishamah holds Shavisa's Kalim is always also whether the Kalim are active or passive, but you can't have Malacha take place in your Kili. But the Beishamah will have to govern Maisa Shari according to Beishamah's mentor, even if it does a Maisa. So now we're back to square one, right? Beishamah. Basila holds that that there is no shvisas kelim um, whatsoever. So so basically, what what's going to be? We have to, I guess, go back and say that uh, the brisa the brisa would seem that the brisa should be like Rava, that even according to Basila, there's still a new answer of after the milsa because we don't really have another way of understanding it. Basila doesn't hold the shvisas kelim at all. So if there's no shvisas kelim, then we can't explain the mill to be because of. Um, to be because of shvisas kelim. So the only way we can understand it is lachar like Rava, that is after the milsa. However, Tyson seems to say that there's, uh, that, there's, that there's something else, a different way to understand the Gemara, but that would be, I guess, the simple prat here. Okay, so it's getting very black and white. Beishamah holds of Shvizah's Kalim. Basil doesn't hold of Shvizah's Kalim at all. So now the Gemara addresses in a simple question. 
If it's true that according to Beishama, it's also if you can do Malacha, even if they're passive. My time is Shara Beishama. Because what seems to be going on is that the Gemara is going back to the Brisa. The Brisa, we don't want to interpret like Rabbah. It seems, and Tosos explains, the Gemara, even, even though it didn't work out to say it was going with Beisola and Beisola agrees in certain cases, but we really don't like what Rabbah said. Again, Rabbah said that even the price was Beisola, and the reason the mill was also is because of, because of um, option mills, because of the noise. The Gemara really doesn't like that. So the Gemara really doesn't like that. So we're forced to say that it's Asr because the price is going like Beishamah, Shavisa, Skelem. But then what's the problem? Well, then how come you're allowed to have the sulfur and the, and, and the incense? Again, Rabbah gave a solution. Rabbah said that it's going like Beisola, and, and the reason the mill is Asr is because of the noise. But if the Gemara doesn't like that, and Beisola B'chalal doesn't agree to Shavisa, Skelem, even where the Kalim are doing something, so the price has to be Beishamah. But if it's like Beishamah, then we're stuck the other way. Then why is the sulfur and the incense? What's our eye or Kalim are having a Malacha take place? So the Gemara says, Hatsal Ara. We have to say that it's not in a it's lying on the ground. So the Gemara is introducing a new variable. Yes, Beishamah holds that your kilim can't do malacha, but it's only your vessels. A kli can't do a malacha. So, for example, your mill can't do work for you on jobs. Your trap can't work for you. Your kli can't have the soaking take place. Your candle can't have something happen and burn on jobs. But in this case, the incest is burning on the ground. So there's no kli where a malacha is taking place on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, now in practical questions. Let's say a person has uh, making beer. So they have a barrel and it's continuously soaking. The beer is being made. So how is that mutter? What's the malacha soaking the barley? Um, so, so it seems to be that, that, that that's a malacha, I guess, in the show of some sorts. So what, what, what is going to be mutter in the case of making a, uh, someone who makes bar, uh, barley, barley or the hops or whatnot to make beer? It sits in the barrel for, beer for a very, it sits in the barrel for a long time. So it's taking place in a kli. Or every time you have a candle, a candle sits in a cup, right? And, you're, and there's burning that takes place. Or anytime you have a, you have a spit that's doing its malacha on Shabbos, how is that mutter? Again, according to Beishamah, Shvisa's Kalim was also if your Kli is passive, even if it's passive. So if it's on the ground, it's mutter. But in all these cases, it's in a Kli. So how does Beishamah, how do you live on Shabbos? So the Gemara says, you have to say that you declare the Kalim ownerless. It's only Aser if it's your Kli, but if it's not your Kli, it's mutter. So it works that you, the, the Kalim are declared ownerless. Once the Kalim are declared ownerless, so then... Um, fascinatingly, it becomes much. So the question just begins. And then how come in the Mishnah, Bishama was answering the trap and the soaking? So maybe we have to distinguish this. It doesn't mean you actually declare an onus. It means like in order for Shabbos to function, it's impossible to live without this, then it's as if they're declared onerless. So that only works for things that are basic necessities, like the things that the mission, the, the examples that were just illustrated. But in the case of the Mishnah, our exact necessities, so then the, then a person is not necessarily mafka the kalim, and then in a Hanami, uh, it comes out that it is also. So where are we until and now? Where we're, 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 we're holding that there's a very fundamental machlokes b'shamay yisrael whether shvitz of kelim is also a mutter b'shamay holds is also in the kli any kli that you have whether the malacha is being done actively or passively b'shil holds that it's always mutter whether it's passive or active. So now the gemara moves on. Matan holds that the rabbanon who's the brisa the who's the author of the brisa. A woman cannot fill up a pot with different types of beans. These beans cook for a long time. She can't cook, fill up a pot. Stick them in the, on, on Friday. Right before it gets dark, she can't do that. And if she did, until you wait the amount of time that it would take to cook it. You can't even benefit from the malacha at all. Similarly, a baker needs hot water, so you can't fill the barrel of water and put it in the oven on Friday before dark. You can't do that because it's going to be cooking on Shabbos. And if he did, it's also all the way 
until Matzah Shabbos, all the amount of time it would take to heat up the water. So the main with Shabbos, you will say, so what, the bride is only like Beishamah? Because what's the concern here? You're not cooking on Shabbos, you're putting there before Shabbos. It's just going to cook by itself on Shabbos. So what's the concern? So if you hold like Beishamah, that Shavis' Kilim is also, you can understand. But if you hold like Beishamah, so then what's the problem? There's no Shavis' Kilim. So what's the Pshat? So the Gemara tells us a very, very important thing, which is no gay to us. This is called Shehiyah. Shehiyah means I put something in a pot to cook right before Shabbos. It's Aser, even like Basil, even though Shavis says Caleb, is Mutter. But here by Basil, it's Aser. Why? I feel like Basil could even be so We're concerned that you might stir the coals. It's cooking on the exposed coals. You might want to expedite the Basil process and use it for your meal Friday night. You would stoke the coals. If you stoke the coals, you're doing Avar, you're kindling flame. So therefore, the rabbi said you can't put something on a flame right before Shabbos. Unless it's fully cooked, you're not allowed to do such a thing because of the fact that you might be enticed to soak the coals. This will be the discussion on the beginning of the third paragraph in Shabbos. We'll learn this in much greater detail. But here we're learning a very important halach of Shia that Mitzrabonon, you, you can't put raw food on a fire right before Shabbos. As the Gemari Yachi, if the rabbis were concerned, so why didn't we make the decree by the incense and the sulfur also? I mean, they're also, why, why aren't we concerned that you might stoke it? So the Gemara says, there you're not going to stir the coals. Because if you stir the coals, then you're going to have um, some of the smoke and it's going to be bad. Because it's bad. food, The smoke isn't harmful to the food. Therefore, we are concerned. Says the Gemara, but what about the case with the bundles of flax in the oven? Why aren't we gozer that you might stoke the coals? If we're gozer by food, we should be gozer by the, the flax in the oven. So the Gemara says, awesome, give a kosher buzika there to open the oven, right? The, the, it's in an oven and, and the, the, the wind would be bad for, for the flax. No one's going to uncover the oven uh, to do it. Okay, similarly, your elixir. What about a case of the wool that's inside the vat, right? It was getting dyed. So why aren't we goes there that you might go and stoke it? So the Mars says, be we're talking about that it's already off the fire, and that's why we're not Koshishi you would do it. There's no coals. Says the Gemara, new question. This seemingly is an unrelated question. Fascinating Gemara. We why don't we concern that a person might stir the vat on Shabbos? A very important Gemara. It seems that stirring something on the fire is prohibited. So Tosus learns that it's prohibited because you're dying. If you would stir it, you'd be hastening the dying process. So you're doing a misa of stirring it. It's an interesting concern. Even if there's no shvisa's killing, but the Gemara is concerned, maybe you'll come to stir it. And if you stir it, you would do tzoveya. So, so Rashi learns, though, however, that the Gemara means that you were doing bishul because it's cooking. You're stirring the hot pot. It's an act of cooking. This is an unbelievable thing. Even something that's cooking by itself, uh, it's already partially cooked. If you stir it and you hasten the cooking process, according to Rashi, many of you should have learned this in the Gemara, you are doing a malacha of cooking. My amazing thing is called hagasa. We are so machmer for hagasa at Allah when it's on the fire that today even fully cooked things we're not supposed to stir on the fire. That's a big chumar, but al-kopanam when it's not fully cooked, to hasten the, stu- the, the cooking is something that is definitely forbidden and the source is, one of the sources is from our Gemara. So why aren't we concerned that when the wool is being dyed that you might stir the vat? Says the Gemara, the vat is off the fire and we're talking about that it is sealed so if it's sealed, you're not going to go through all the bother to take off the seal. It's like a reminder and, and to go stir it. And this is an important thing. We'll see, if in the, we'll see this in the next Gemara as well. That you might have had to do Shia if the oven is sealed or if the knobs are sealed. Like some people hold that if I uh, like, like, kind of like seal down the knobs for an oven, perhaps, or a stovetop, perhaps it's mutter to do Shia based upon our Gemara. Okay, 
Says the Gemara Pasha, now that we learned that the reason why I can't put raw food on the fire right before Shabbos is because of the concern that you might stir the coals on Shabbos. So if so, if it's totally raw, so if it's totally raw, no matter what, even if you try to expedite it, it's not going to be ready by tonight's meal. It's only going to be for tomorrow anyway. So then, you're allowed to put that food in the Friday just before Shabbos starts and it can cook in the night. There's no concern you're going to stick the coals. My timer. Anyways, you're not going to eat it for Friday night. It's totally raw. So you, there's anyways not going to be ready for the meal. So you're going to take off your tent. In other words, your mind is not is not focused on eating it all together. You're not going to come to stir the coals. Another thing, if it's totally cooked, Shabbatam is also fine because you're not going to stoke the coals. It's totally cooked. What's Osir is when it's cooked and not cooked, meaning it's in the middle of being cooked. That's the, the bad area. If it's in the middle, so you might want to expedite it, that's the problem. If let's say you have something it's in the middle of getting cooked, where normally we say it's also to do shia, but you throw in one big raw piece of meat, so then shopper dummy, that becomes okay because mentally you put it out of your mind. This can come up a lot of times, Allah Khalamaisa, person has to throw up a chalam right before Shabbos, so you want might want to throw in a big, huge frozen piece of meat uh, to take away the shia problem. Says the Gemara of now that we say, Remember, we learned by the flax that we're not concerned that you're going to open up the oven if the, the wind will be bad for it. So, I have with the God, you have a shark in the case of. Um, of meat that comes from a little goat, which is very soft, and it's, if you if it gets um, if it gets open to a draft, that's not going to be good for it. And if the oven is sealed, shopper dummy, that's for sure good. I have two variables. First of all, it's going to be bad if for the food for the meat if I open up the oven, and second of all, there's a seal, so telling reminding me not to do it. So that's for sure okay. I could roast the meat in the oven on shops. The bar of a little shark. Well, let's say it's a very strong meat, which. It's very, you know, from a ram that's very strong and it's no problem for the meat to open up the, the, the oven. And second of all, if the oven is not sealed, usher, that's for sure, usher. You're missing both variables. But what about the guy below Sharik? Let's say it's the meat of a little of a little goat and the oven's not sealed or the bark of a shark or the other variable. I have the meat from a tough ram, but the oven is is sealed. So you have one thing helping you, but not the other. Ravashi Shari, it's a machlokas of his mother usher. Says the Gemara, Ravashi, the Shari. Ravashi says it's okay. Vatanan, it says, ain't sold in basar basar. You can't roast meat, onions, or eggs like they should some of unless they get roasted while it's sold day. Why? Because if she ever concerned, you're going to stoke it. So presumably it says any type of meat. Even, we're assuming even, even the meat of a goat, where why would I be concerned I'm going to stoke it? It's bad for it. It's bad to open up the oven. Says the Gemara, no, we're about to the Rakhlo Shark. The Mishra is talking about it's not sealed, and we're talking about that it's from a mature ram, and that's why it's Aser Paninachanami. If it would be, you know, very uh, uh, softer meat, then like like from the, the baby goat, then Paninachanami, it would not be a problem. Eagle the army in the second version, to God, yeah, if it's a baby, the baby meat, which Bain the Shark, a little shark, whether the oven sealed or not sealed, Shabbat, I mean, it's for sure okay. It's for sure okay because no one's going to open it up. It's bad for the meat. And the second lesson, everybody agrees that's much. The Barachanami for Shark, if it's a strong meat and the oven is sealed, Shabbat, I mean, of course, that's okay. Keep leaking. What do they argue? The Barach below Shark. The oven's not sealed, but it's a mature. Uh, ram meat is that Matar Rashi, Shark, Vachmidifti, Asr, Ravashi, Ravashi is Matar, Ravimimimimidifti, Asrs. Says the Gemara, Ravashi, the Shark, according to Ravashi, that's Matar. That's mater. Um, any any type of meat uh, on Shabbos, right? So what's what's the problem? Where Ravashi would just said that it's mutter if it's if it's a strong piece of meat. So 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 we're assuming any type of meat. Ravashi is still mater. Why would he be mater? I guess even just since the oven is covered, even there's no seal, but the fact that the oven is covered and it's the coals aren't totally 
open, they're not totally exposed, Ravashi still not there. So what's the case where it's also it says, the meat is roasting over, over coals, not in a closed oven, they're just open open coals. That's where we say you can, might stoke them. But whenever it's in an oven, it's somewhat covered, Ravashi holds its mother. So again, in the second version, Ravashi is saying a much more extreme thing. No matter what type of meat I'm cooking, it's still mother if it's a closed oven. The only case where it's also according to Ravashi in the second Lashon of the Gemara is where it's totally exposed coals. Continues the Gemara Marvina Haikrochaya. Let's say you have raw pumpkin or squash, opera that means mutter. Why? Since again, to open up the oven would be bad for the vegetable that's cooking. It's like the, the soft meat, which is mutter, as we passed before. So we had a machlokas in the Mishnah, but you're allowed to, there's like maras, there's like a maras ayin on, uh, on Amir la'akum. Yisrael says there's no maras ayin, right? As long as you're not doing that, Amir la'akum, you're on Shabbos. It's mutter. But Bishamah was concerned for the way they can, an event can be misinterpreted on Shabbos. So Bishamah was said, you can't sell something to a guy, you can't lend it to him. Or, or lend it to him that he gives him back something else. Like him matana, give him a present. So unless he has enough time for the guy to get to his house before Shabbos. Because someone might think that, uh, again, it's not really a milanachi. The guy is doing the malacha for himself, not for the yid. But Bishamis goes there. Someone might think he's doing it for the yid and he's doing it to a milanachi. Bishol Amr Bishol says, no, as long as the guy can get to his house near the wall of the city. So he doesn't have to get all the way to his house as long as he can get inside the city. Because he could theoretically stop carrying it there and no more. Uh, it sounds like from this price, Abisol is saying that there's a concern for Marzayin, but since it's only for the Marzayin, for Amir Lenachri, it's only a problem if he's definitely going to do it, not if he can get at least to the inside of the city. But Rabbi Akiva says no. It's enough as long as the guy leaves the entrance of the Jew's house before Shabbos, it's totally mutter. We don't care about anything more. Rabbi Akiva is just clarifying what Basil really held. But Rabbi Akiva, the fire Rabbi is coming to explain that Basil wasn't Bechalal Choshesh, he had a different version from the Tanakhama Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva held that Basil wasn't Choshesh and as long as the guy leaves the Jewish home before Shabbos begins, he can take anything, um, he can take anything with him, and it's totally okay. We're not choshish for any maras ayin on the prohibition of Amir Lenachri.